Welcome to Yuspenzel Online Podcast, Learning from Leaders. This podcast will focus on approximately 20-minute interviews with a range of professionals from the policy world. The goal of the podcast is to provide information about available career opportunities and advice to the community of graduates from York University School of Public Policy and Administration. My name is Romina Chancheva, and I graduated with a Master's in Public Policy, Administration and Law from York University in 2015. I'm Yuspenz Vice Chair. And my name is Georgette Morris. I'm also a graduate of the MPEL program, class of 2016, director of the podcast, and currently at Carleton University as a graduate student. We're very pleased to have with us Shireen Salty today. Shireen Salty has worked at the intersection of higher education, governments, and the nonprofit sector in Canada over the last eight years. She has recently been appointed as Advancement and Public Affairs Lead in the Dean's Office at Windsor Law, reporting to the first Palestinian and Arab Dean of law in Canada, Dr. Reem Bakhti. Shireen is a regular public commentator in Canadian and international media and has recently introduced the first ever micro-credential program focused on cybersecurity in Canada and hosted the Can Study US Fellowship as part of the consulting work with Ryerson Leadership Lab, where she is a senior advisor on leadership development. This podcast was prepared by the York University School of Public Policy and Administration Alumni Network, also known as USPAN, and Shireen Salty in their own personal capacity. The opinions expressed here do not necessarily reflect the views of the School of Public Policy Administration, the Masters of Public Policy Administration and Law, and other associated programs, and or York University or organizations mentioned in general. Hi, Shireen. It's great to have Hi, you. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for that awesome introduction. Thank, Thank you as well. Thank you. Can you please tell us more about how you decided to enter the field of public policy? Sure. I Look, thank you so much for having me here. It's an absolute pleasure. I think most people know this in the program already, as it was um, in kind of my personal statement for MPAL and very much publicized. But the reason why I pursued a career in public policy is because of where I come from. Uh, I was born and raised in Jerusalem, Palestine, and so I have seen injustices at a very young age and moving to Canada at the age of 15 meant that I experienced barriers in, in um, as a newcomer in Ontario's education system. And so I wanted to understand public policy so that, so that I can contribute to the decolonization work uh, long before there was even a name for it. Um, so technically how it really unfolded though, is that in my fourth year of my undergrad, I was encouraged to apply to MPAL by a professor in the uh, social sciences department at York University. And so really that just speaks to the importance of building relationships with professors in order to to grow professionally. Thank you so very much for that answer. Um, That being said, if you could describe your career so far and a great career it's been with three words, uh, what would they be and why? (laughs) I think that one's easy. I would say uh, multifaceted. Multifaceted because I've worked in various sectors, obviously in the nonprofit uh, um, government and higher education sectors. Um, I'd say passionate. Um, it's it's very clear that I've also chose a career that has meaning, and uh, that's you know that comes with privilege. Uh, you know, when my parents came to this country, they didn't get to choose uh, to be passionate, and so uh, this this notion that I that I get to be choosing what kind of opportunities and uh, be passionate about them is is definitely one of privilege. And 
Last but not least, I'd say exciting. You know, I, I'm someone that wakes up every day looking forward to work. Uh, not every, every single day, especially in the global pandemic, but most days. And so I don't, I don't think most people, you know, identify themselves so much with their career. And uh, I'm someone that does. And so that's extremely exciting for me. And, um, you know, most of my work is rooted in community engagement. And so um, that's why it's, it's, it's so exciting. Thank you. That's really interesting to know. Um, and we were also wondering, given the fact that you've held intriguing senior roles in your career, what does leadership mean to you? And what steps can people take to strengthen their leadership abilities? Yeah, wow. That, that's actually a fabulous question. So I guess I'll answer the first part. Leadership to me means understanding ourselves. And so understanding our behaviors, our attitudes, values, and beliefs you know, I've, I've always been inspired by leaders that did that extremely well because it meant that they led stronger teams, made better decisions, and had more impact than others, if that makes sense. You know, you mentioned recently um, I became a senior advisor on leadership development for the Ryerson Leadership Lab. I actually just finalized um, hosting a fellowship called Study US, which is a leadership development program that provides students and, and young professionals uh, age 20 to 35 with uh, insights into U.S. policymaking and politics on topics like climate change, indigenous rights, and misinformation. And in my last session with the fellows just this week, actually, we were reflecting together on developing our public narrative and story of self. And, and, and that's not something I came up with. It's a, it's a training received by the Harvard Kennedy School on, on leading change by Marshall Gons. But I noticed some fellows feel very uncomfortable introducing themselves or talking about how their values are connected to the work that they do. And I thought, wow, like this is so crucial to develop and it will really help strengthen not only their leadership abilities, but also their job prospects. Um, you know, one time I simply got a contract in the government by introducing myself um, to an ADM in an elevator. So I, I don't think this happens too often or to most people, but, you know, this ability to build your public narrative and know your story as, or yourself, know what kind of leader you are, I think is key in, in career development for sure. Thank you for that. Um, that's actually extremely uh, insightful. Uh, given that uh, a lot of SPPA students and graduates are interested in working in government, nonprofit and academia sectors and grant and in tandem with your experiences, what advice would you give them on getting their foot into each of these respective doors? Yeah, I just mentioned, of course, building our story of self, right? Like that's so key, but also looking for opportunities outside of the program. So outside of the current you know, lectures and courses that we're taking. We're usually focused on getting the highest grade possible in each course, but I was also focused on volunteering on a student executive and taking up leadership roles elsewhere, right? To really demonstrate that I don't just have experience in, you know, education, but also in professional development and in volunteer mobilization and in community outreach. Um, so I think that's really important. And employers are constantly looking, looking for, you know, multifaceted experiences. And so this ability to demonstrate that is definitely key. I would say the last thing, and but definitely not least, is to network, network, and network. And I'm sure many people have said that to you in the program, uh, you know, as students, but I would say do this intentionally. Like Toronto is a coffee city. And so I wouldn't be transactional about it, about grabbing, you know, coffee with people just because they have a fancy title that 
I want one day. Rather, you know, I expect, I wouldn't expect the meeting to, to also, you know, lead to an opportunity in the field right away. You know, sometimes when you develop a genuine connection with the leader in the field, the opportunity will develop much later at a time when you least expect it. And so again, do that outreach, but do it because it aligns with your leadership values. Um, It's aligned with your uh, motives about your um, career next steps. And sometimes you don't know what they are. And so um, figuring that out um, to begin with, again, back to that story of self and where you would like to be um, is key in order to hone in on the kind of people you want to start aligning yourself with. And this applies across the board, you know, in the public sector, in the nonprofit world and elsewhere too. Thank you for that. I've been encouraged myself to reach out and do informational interviews or the so-called coffee chats with the industry professionals. Would you expand a little bit more on the coffee chats? Do you have any tips for making an informational interview a success and any pitfalls to avoid? Oh my gosh, definitely show up on time for sure. You know, have your questions ready. I think that's really important. It shows interest. It shows, you know, you're really being genuine about the and thoughtful about the kind of, um, um, you know, direction you want the meeting to take. But also, you know, prepare your story of self to them, but make it under two minutes and make the meeting about them, not about you. You know, as an Olive intern, I, I learned that, you know, leaders love talking to students and mid-level professionals, but they mostly want to talk about their lessons learned and they mostly want to give back to you. And so definitely try not to center yourself too much in the meeting and definitely take notes and show that interest and follow up right? Following up is, I can't stress this enough. You know, sometimes I meet people and I never hear back from them or even know where they ended up. And so, and I love to know, I love to know what happened. I'm a curious person. I also want to, you know, um, ensure that I've, you know, helped um, during that meeting. Um, Sometimes we're, we're left with um, uh, no answer. And so it's really important to follow up, let that person know where you did end up, if you didn't end up anywhere to let them know that you're still looking, you know, whether maybe three weeks after or a month later, um, it depends on, of course, your schedule. Um, but again, I think this, this biggest pitfall to avoid is being transactional and just, you know, reaching out to people because they are leaders in, in these various sectors that you want to be a part of, but not because, you know, you want to actually learn from them. And people do notice, um, you know, I notice myself when I'm meeting with people who's reaching out to me because, you know, I'm, I'm a successful person in the field or because, you know, they genuinely want to learn more about me and connect with me. Thank you. Very, very wise words. Um, and I know you've covered quite a bit of this already, but perhaps if you could just leave our listeners with one takeaway from your career and um, precisely what would that be? Oh, wow. That is so hard, but I'm actually going through a major career transition right now. So I'll make this one about something I've been discussing a lot with, with people around me lately, which is power, um, relationships and trust. I've really been reflecting on this with my support system and I'll, I'll try to explain this, um, both from an individual level, but a systemic level as well. Right. I think that's something that I've reflected on a lot in the pandemic as I was leading uh, a nonprofit organization that was responsible for research policy and, and community engagement. And um, 
I guess that takeaway is, is, you know, this notion of, of bringing ourselves into leadership, right. Which is, which is very important. You know, it makes us recognize that there are power dynamics in relationships, right? There is a power imbalance in the current leadership that we are experiencing, especially as racialized people. And there's no relationship that does not have a power dimension, right? That power becomes neutralized by making it become benevolent with trust. And so what I've learned, not just in theory, but also in practice, is that it becomes about power to and not about power over. And, and I'm sorry if I sound too philosophical. I, I, I don't mean to. It's just, you know, I really want to hone in on this idea that power is not about authority. You know, I, I believe power is of the people. And so let's take our project together with, with Brock University, for example, Georgette, right? We need a trust. We needed to trust one another in order to execute and make something out of nothing, right? And for our listeners, you know, Georgette was the uh, research lead on a peer-reviewed project that examined the impact of COVID-19 on racialized people. And that project was presented to the Privy Council and the Anti-Racism Secretariat, and it resulted in major funding for the community in Canada, right? But this would not have been possible without the trust that was embedded in building research by community for community between the leaders on the project, between the assistants and the lead investigators and so forth, right? And so, you know, community-based research exemplifies this major takeaway because we learned that we learned that there are many gaps in the, in the current system. You know, we questioned and we continue to question whether the current power is helping the system thrive or whether it has become abused and whether there are breaches of trust. And you know, we often question whether why this normal way of doing things is not working for our community members. And so back to this notion of trust, I, I believe trust itself is, is intrinsic to relationships. And therefore, leadership is about holding room for complexity and not about simplifying issues. And we need trust between people and leaders, as cliche as it sounds, and among community members in order to make change happen and, and build stronger systems. And that applies to you know every system, whether education, healthcare, or business. And I hope people listening, you know, keep this in mind as they build relationships in the field and mentor others. I, I never thought I'd work directly with Georgette, you know, five years after meeting her in Ampal, but we did, and and we made an impact together because we built that trust. And there are also many opportunities that come our way because people trust us. And I think that was one major key takeaway from my career because people think it's just about working hard and it's not. And I hope, I hope how this translates both at an individual and systemic level, you know, resonates with, with some of our listeners today. Thank you very, very much, Shireen. I just want to say this was incredibly insightful. Thank you so much for sharing your thoughts and experience with us today. My pleasure.